Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. Man, well, welcome again to Renew Church. My name is Pastor Trevor. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you guys. I am actually kind of shocked today to see as many people as you are in church this weekend. So give yourselves a round of applause, man. Those of you that are online, man, I'm proud of you. Thank you for tuning in, for being a part of our church online service. I mean, this is, this is an awesome thing. It blesses me to see you here. I know some of you are online because of health issues and things. We've had people that, that ended up uh, calling out today because of uh, physical needs and different things. So whether you're in person or online, I'm so glad that you're worshiping with us today. Well, we're starting a brand new sermon series today, and it's uh, entitled, Less is More. And uh, we're going to be in the book of Colossians for the next four weeks. This is a New Testament book. It's only four chapters, 105 verses. It's not very long at all. And I encourage you to take some time this month to read that book. Less is more is a practical look into the New Testament book of Colossians that will help you remove the things in your life that are a distraction to focus on what is most important. So less is more. Why, why less is more? Let me give you some examples, first of all, to kind of get your mind thinking about what less is more actually means. So um, less is more would be, for example, one car instead of two, especially when gas is $5 a gallon. You figure out how to like get around and carpool and ride chair and all those things. Less is more, amen? You guys aren't with me today. Man, you got enough money for, for three cars. Maybe more is more. I don't know. Less is more ingredients on the back of that package that you bought at the store yesterday, right? Like, I love when I can read what the ingredients are on the back of the package, amen? Like, when you can see what it is and you're like, oh, I know what that is, salt. Yeah, I know what that is, not benzoic peroxide or whatever. Like, I I love when it's like basic, right? Less is more sometimes, right? Isn't that good? Um, here's another one, finances. I've been in financial peace for a few years. I've been going through that class. We offer it uh, in November. We, we teach on finances. And then in uh, January, uh, we offer a financial peace class. It's about a seven or eight week class. And, and oftentimes, Dave Ramsey will talk about this if you've never heard it. Making money, more money will not solve your money problems. Did you know that? Making more money, adding an extra zero into your bank account, it doesn't solve your money problems. In fact, it's it's really not about how much money you make, it's how much money you save. Why? Because less is more oftentimes when it comes to your finances. And um, here's another one, stuff. Anybody do spring cleaning? Any of you guys are like into spring cleaning? I'm into spring cleaning starting today. Like we, I told my wife this morning, I'm like, honey, we're going to get four trash bags and I don't mean like the public sacks. I mean like four trash bags. And each of us, me, my daughters, and my wife, we're going to fill up four trash bags. We're going to spring clean. You guys should clap for that. <laughs> you bunch of hoarders. What's the matter with you? You're not happy that I'm, I'm cleaning out? Why, maybe you ought to do it. Less is more, all right? It's a good thing. I've never done it before, but I'm going to do it because when I walk in my house... It's getting to be like, I think there's going to be a cable television show that's going to follow me in sometime and talk to me about this. The, the idea behind the sermon series is more Jesus and less of everything else. That's the whole concept behind it. More Jesus and less of everything else. And the key verse for the series is this, Colossians 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things of God, above not on earthly things. Why? Because less is more. So this book, and this is kind of an introduction to the series, this book is written by the Apostle Paul. Paul was an apostle. He was a church planter. He was a missionary. He was the overseer of many churches. He was someone that had started several churches and was influential on spreading the gospel around much of what was considered the known world. He was in prison at the time when he wrote this letter awaiting his trial before Caesar. And while there, he wrote this letter to a house church of believers in Colossae. Like, this was a house church, and it couldn't have been bigger than, and I'm, I'm probably being, like, very, like, liberal with this, 
45 at the most, 45 adults in this house church. It was not a big place, but the, the writing that he's giving is to 45 people. That might tell you something about the fact that bigger is not always better. I mean, remind you of that, that sometimes it's not a bad thing to be a micro church or to be a house church. Paul had never met these Colossian believers, but they knew who he was and they respected his leadership. And Paul had worked with a man named Epaphras while he was in Ephesus and later sent him to bring the gospel to Colossae. So that's how the church started. And the Colossians, they were mostly Gentiles. That, that means they weren't Jewish. And uh, they were being pressured to follow Jewish law while being Christian. They were being pressured to follow Jewish law. And there were people there adding extra rules and false teachings to the faith. Sometimes this would be known as syncretism, where you're kind of like taking a little bit of this faith and a little bit of this faith, and, and you kind of create this little casserole dish of like who it is that you believe in and what you believe. That's what that is. This heresy later became known as Gnosticism, where they, they were uh, gaining this secret special knowledge that included a, den a denial of Christ as Lord and Savior. So Paul is writing to the Colossians, from prison to address the false teachings that were trying to infiltrate the Christian faith. This is why he wrote. This is what he wrote, and this is why he wrote. So we're going to start in Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 2, and this is how it starts in verse 2. It says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. That is important. That's a key thought that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Praise be to God for our rescuer. Praise be to God that not because of what we did, but because of what Christ did in us, he rescued us from the dominion of darkness. So I want to I kind of break these first few verses down for a few minutes. I don't want to talk just a little bit about what, what Paul is saying when he gets into uh, this, this letter to the Colossians. Remember, he's not speaking it to them. He's writing it to them. Somebody else is probably going to read it to the church, but this is how he starts. He says this, um, and, and, and I want you to get this because I think it applies to us. I think it applies to each and every one of you. In your walk with God and in your interaction with others, this is how he starts the letter. He says, grace and peace to you. I think that's important. Do you think that's important? Say yes. It is important. Paul could have used his authority to tell these people where to go and what to do, but instead he starts his letter by saying, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is grace? What is this thing that we talk about and we sing about and we say all the time? Grace is God's unmerited favor for the people called by his name. This is the grace that saves it's the grace that sanctifies. It's the grace that sets captives free. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's starting the letter saying to them, instead of starting with a stern warning, instead of starting with, hey, this is what you need to do, he says, grace to you. Amen. And some of you need to start your conversations with your kids or with your spouse or with your boss or your employee 
grace to you. And then he says peace. Grace and peace to you in the name of the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, the Greek word that Paul used was irene. Irene, which meant peace, but it meant prosperity. It meant quietness. It meant, it meant rest. It meant to be one with yourself. In other words, it, it meant to have this harmony in your life. You know, there's a peace that nothing else can satisfy in your life. Not an extra zero on your bank account, not a second home in the Bahamas, not the brand new model car, nothing else satisfies. This is the peace that Paul is talking about when he greets them and he says, this is the peace that I give to you, that I share with you, because nothing else does. In the Jewish faith, many, many Jewish people, they, they use this other word for peace. Does anybody know what that word is? Many of you do. Shalom. Shalom, which oftentimes when you're greeted with shalom, it, it means a complete blessing over you and everything that you are and everything that you do. It is a great way to start your conversation with someone in interaction with others to say shalom. Paul says grace and peace. And then he says, we always thank God when we pray for you. You know, I wrote that in the bottom of my uh, Bible, right under the letter, because I thought about, like, when I pray for people, I don't always thank God when I pray for them. If I'm honest, I don't always thank God when I pray for Benny. Sometimes when I pray for Benny, I'm like, God, just could you just straighten Benny out? Because he is a mess, and he's got all kinds of problems in his life. I'm just kidding, Benny. I love you, brother. But... He says to the Colossians who, who are fixing to get like set up for some like stern warnings and, and some, some advice and correction. He says, but I always thank God when I pray for you. And maybe that's good advice for some of us today. That whenever we pray for the people in our lives, that it's not always just God, would you please straighten them out, fix them, change them, help them, heal them. God, thank you for them. We always thank God when we pray for you. And then he says, I continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. In other words, I want you to gain a, a spiritual knowledge of God's will, not a false knowledge from a false teacher. In other words, this is kind of foreshadowing of what, what's about to come in the next few chapters because there's some false teaching that's creeping in. And so he's saying, I'm praying that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will and not just any knowledge, not worldly knowledge, but a spiritual understanding, a spiritual knowledge of God's will. He's praying that for them. And then he's saying, I want you to do these three things. I want you to live a life worthy of the Lord. And another translation says, I want you to walk worthy of the Lord. Don't just talk it, but walk it. Walk worthy of the Lord. I want you to bear fruit in good work. It, it, it's not because this is what saves you, but it's the result of who and what has saved you that now all of a sudden you're going to bear fruit. You're going to be a, a, a tree that is known by its fruit. You're bearing that kind of fruit and growing in the knowledge of God. He says, live a life worthy of the Lord, bear fruit in good work, and grow in the knowledge of God. So I'm going to step on some toes a few times today. Here's the first time. Stop just growing in the knowledge of Trevor, inspiration of God to you. I need you to start growing in the knowledge of God. And that comes not just by Sunday mornings at 1035. It comes through you getting into the word of God. It comes from you hearing from the word. It comes from you finding a good Bible study or starting a good Bible study. If you don't think you're mature enough to open or start a Bible study, talk to somebody a little more mature than you and, and host a Bible study, but grow in the knowledge of God. That's what Paul is telling the Colossian believers, and I believe that's what we need to apply in our lives. Amen. Stop just allowing the preacher to be the one that's constantly trying to feed you all the time. This is Bible literacy. This is understanding God's word. This isn't just saying, you know what, that's for him and, and, and not for you. No, no, no. This is God's word for us. Amen? So he tells us all of these things. I, I think about how to pray for Christians, how, how to pray for other, other Christians, and I, I think this is a great blueprint for it. Um, thank God for their faith and change lives. We thank God for them. We ask God to help them know his will. We ask God to give them spiritual wisdom and understanding to know him better. 
we ask God to give them strength and endurance, strength for endurance and patience, and we ask God to fill them with joy and thankfulness. In those few verses that I just read, all of those things were done for the Colossians. Paul did that, and we need to do the same. We need to learn to do the very same thing. So we titled this series, Less is More. And here's why we titled it Less is More. Because Colossians is less tradition and more gospel. Colossians is less tradition and more gospel. Colossians is less religion and more relationship. Colossians, the writing of Colossians is less false teaching and more Jesus. I think that's what Paul is trying to convey in these four chapters in the New Testament. That it's less about tradition. It's less about religion. It's less about false teaching. And it's more about the gospel. It's more about relationship. And it's more about Jesus. That's what Paul wants to convey to each and every single one of us. And as we read on in this book, I I think we'll find this is why Paul writes to the Colossians. Because they have this secret things, these sacred things that crept into their belief system that can begin to wreck what God is really wanting to do in their lives. I mean, anytime you start a new work, you have this little baby church. We just started a new work down in Homestead. It's eight weeks old, and it's baby, so it's like growing and crawling, and and it has a lot of the same characteristics of a, a newborn child, and it has to grow, and it has to mature, and it has to develop. This is the same thing that's happening in Colossae. But at the same time, the influences are easier to get in. The, 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 the attacks of the enemy are easier to come in. Because why? Because they're not strong enough. They're not mature enough. They're not developed enough to face these things. And so Paul is writing this letter to say, I'm concerned about some secret things. I'm concerned about some sacred things, some false teachings. Things that, that are, are, are secret, but they're not really sacred. Not even biblical, but somehow they've crept into your belief systems. I want to jump to the Old Testament for a couple of minutes. I want to talk about uh, another story where there's some sacred things that happened in the Old Testament. It's in Numbers chapter 21. And just to kind of summarize it a little bit, the Israelites are in the wilderness. They're trying to get to the promised land. And so they're, they're, they're making their way to the promised land, and they're, they're between Egypt, slavery, and, and uh, Canaan, the promised land, and they're there, and they're, they're traveling, and they all of a sudden are, are frustrated with what's going on around them. I mean, it, rightfully so, 40 years, you can't figure out how to go like 40 miles or something like that. It's not very far, but uh, they, were, they were frustrated, and they became impatient. And it says in Numbers 21, they spoke against God. And against Moses. And they said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread. There's no water. And we detest this miserable food. Even though it was food from heaven, it was manna that God provided. It's, they, they said, we detest what you're giving us. Why did you bring us here just to die? Like, I would have rather, rather stayed in, the, in slavery in Egypt, they were saying, than to go to the promised land. I mean, than to die in the desert. So the Lord provides... Jehovah Jireh, that's who he is. And he provides in Numbers 21, verse 6, you can see it for yourself. It says, the Lord then sent venomous snakes among them. And they bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses, and they said, we sinned against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. And Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a snake, a bronze snake. He put it up on a pole. And when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. It's a crazy story, right? I don't know if you knew that was in the scripture, but that's true. That's, that's, that's uh, biblical. This is what happened in that time for the Israelites, the children of God. In an incident in the wilderness, due to the Israelites' bitterness, God sends these snakes into the camp that bite them and kill them. So they repent, and they tell God, through Moses, to, to you know, forgive us and heal us and help us. And 
So God gives them this direction to make the bronze snake, put it on a pole, and if they do, they will live. And that's exactly what happens. I tell you that story because it's a, it's a great story, but here's what happens from, from that point on. In that temporary moment, for that temporary like healing, they were in, a, in, a, in a, like a, a wilderness camp. They were on a journey. They were not like at, at a place where they were like supposed to be setting this thing up as a long-term thing. But here's what they did. They took that snake on a pole with them into the promised land. They carried that snake with them wherever they went for 600 years. What was supposed to be a temporary thing, what was supposed to be something that was just to help them get past this, like, this disobedience that they were in, this rebellion that they were in, it was something they carried for 600 years. And so what was not meant to be a new law or something sacred became sacred out of tradition. It became special to them because of what was passed on from generation to generation. In 2 Kings 18, it, the Bible speaks of a man named Hezekiah. He was the king in Judah. And it says that there was, uh, there was never no one like him before or after him. And he had held fast to the Lord and did not stop following the Lord. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. And it says in 2 Kings 18, he broke into pieces the bronze snake that Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. So there was a good king 600 years later. His name was Hezekiah, and he did what should have been done 600 years earlier. He broke the bronze snake. Trevor, why are you telling me about a bronze snake if you're preaching about Colossians? I tell you this because I think that there are bronze snakes that were slithering into the Colossian church. They were sacred things that were never meant to be sacred. And Paul writes the letter, and he's beginning the letter the way that he is, but he's leading into, and I'll, I, I promise you this, you'll see more of the, the bronze snakes in the weeks ahead, even in, you don't want to miss next week, especially as we talk about the supremacy and the preeminence of Christ. It's theological and doctrinal to everything we are. But I tell you this because there are certain sacred things that crept, that crept into their church that can kind of creep in to our church. And Paul is telling them, it's time to tear some stuff down. He's writing the letter to say, let's not wait 600 years. Let's tear this stuff down now. And I say this for us the same way. If God has given you something or shown you something and it's become almost religious for you, it's become almost like your bronze snake, maybe it's time that you tear that down. Trevor, what are you talking about? What are those bronze snakes? Well, for me, here's a couple of examples. As a kid, growing up, there were certain forms of entertainment that were automatically categorized as evil, just, just based on what it was. Even if it was good and godly, it would be categorized as evil because of the form that it came in. What are you talking about? Like, for example, when I was a kid, and my mom's probably watching online, going to the movies was evil. Just, just because it was at a movie theater. My parents wouldn't allow me to go to the movies. Even if it was a Christian movie, even if it was like Charlton Heston and, and you know, the, the Moses movie or whatever. Like, if you had popcorn and M&Ms and you're sitting in a big dark room kind of like this, it was evil. That's the way it was. In their defense, by about 12, they loosened up. My first movie at a movie theater was Home Alone. So that, that one's close to my heart. My, another one of these bronze snakes growing up was not so much for me, but my older brothers, they had to kind of pay higher prices than I did as my parents learned and decided what their convictions were and what their bronze snakes could be broken, um, was, was any kind of dance, any kind of dance or prom. If, if it was a, a, a and, and I'll like say, there are some dances that you don't need to be a part of, and there are some places you don't need to be on Collins Avenue on Saturday night. But just to say, like blanket covering that it's not okay just because it's called a dance, I, I feel like maybe that's a bronze snake. For my, my dad's mom, my grandma, going up another generation, you go to church on Sunday and that's it. You go to church and that's it. 
eating at a restaurant after church was pretty much a sin because it was the Sabbath. But Sunday's not the Sabbath. <laughs> Hint. But that's the bronze snake that my grandma left with, lived with. These are things that, that oftentimes creep in and can kind of rule our lives. And I wonder if you might have some bronze snakes. Things that you place on yourself or on others simply because it's what you've always done. So you ready for me to step on some toes? Because these are the things that if you've been in the church for any season of time, any amount of time, you, you might say, well, you read from the old King James, right, Pastor? Because that's the only translation there is, Pastor. Well, if you've been following me, I don't read from the old King James because uh, I don't know what thou is saying when he says that. <laughs> I don't mean to be late making light, but I know it's the original, but it's still was 1,600 years too late. Like, it's, it's not the original, the original. So is that a bronze snake? It might be for some of us. Another might be these three-hour church services because, Pastor, you're not really having church. It's like 65 minutes max, 70 minutes. Like, Pastor, you, 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 didn't even, you just got started. Church has to be three hours. Otherwise, you're not even having church. Might be a bronze snake if it's based on the amount of time and how, how that looks. That it, that it is all of a sudden the way church is for you. Here's another one. Pastor, you have the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I do have some of the fruits. I'm not saying I'm perfect in that, but I, I do experience and have the fruits of the Spirit. No, 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 Pastor. You have, the, you have the evidence of the Holy Spirit. You speak in tongues, right, Pastor? I believe in the gift of tongues. But I personally don't have the gift. But I do have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. And some would say, no, 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 that's, that's not. And, and I'm, I'm not going to argue with you, but I'm just going to ask you. It might be a bronze snake. I promised you I would step on your toes today. I still love you. Still love you. Some, it's the way you dress. Because, Pastor, we wear our best for Jesus. When we walk into church, we need to be wearing the very best. Kind of like John the Baptist when he baptized Jesus in the river, right? His clothes were made of camel hair and, 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 and like he had locusts in his beard. This dude was crazy. And I think to myself, I don't know. You play a musical instrument, it's sinful. There is no musical instruments to be played inside of the service. You can play whatever rock and roll you want outside, but nothing in the church. Anything for other churches, anything less than a full worship band would be inadequate. For others, the bronze snake. For, for others, it's piano only. Because that's of heaven. Uh, others would say a gospel quartet is... Uh, you know, what we need to have, and somehow we need to figure out how to have a quartet every weekend. It would be then literally heaven on earth. Let me tell you this. God can be glorified in any and all forms of those worship. But don't try to impose your conviction on everyone else, because that's when I warn you of the bronze snake. That's when I warn you of the things that try to creep in, that you're saying it's this way or no way, and I ask, where? Is it tradition? Is it religion? Or is it even that false teaching? Because we don't want those things. Less is more. We want relationship. We want Jesus. We want what God's will is for our life. There, there are some snakes in, in our lives that need to be removed. And as I think about it, even in my own life, maybe, maybe uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I stepped on some people's toes and I, I even asked God, God, what is it for me? Because I love picking on other people, but like look in the mirror, you know, what, what's yours, Trevor? What's the thing for you? So you want to hear what it is? For me, it's, um, it's numbers 
big numbers. For whatever reason, as pastors, that's what we deal with. It's that, that comparison game. It's that competition. It's being able to say, wow, my church is just a little bit bigger than your church. That's, that's me being honest. And for me, what I, I sometimes lift up and look at is those numbers. And it's a bronze snake. Now, don't get me wrong. Every number represents a soul, and every soul matters to God. And there's a lot of them out in our community, millions that need Jesus, and I agree. But when it becomes more than just about getting them to know Jesus, and it's more about how I can fill up a room, the bronze snake. And my question for you, it's probably not that for you. It's usually only for pastors. Everybody else, they don't care. Like, they'd prefer the room not to be too full. That way they don't have to sit shoulder to shoulder with anybody else. But you probably have a a bronze snake. You probably have a sacred thing that kind of has crept in. and, And as you look at it, it's removed the focus from what God would have, what Jesus is calling you to, to look at instead of it. As we close this morning, I think about this verse in John chapter 3. John 3.16 is the most famous passage in all of the Bible. You probably know it by heart. But John 3.14 and 15 is not very famous, not very significant to most people. They probably haven't even paid much mind to it to even know. But let me read what John 3 14 says before I read John 6 3 16. John 3 14 says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I think. This is saying, Jesus is saying, and John's recording this in John's gospel. I think he's saying, anything else that you're putting up there, it needs to come down. Jesus is supposed to be what we lift up. Everything else must be torn down and broken. Everything else must be removed for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's it. That's the, that's the thing. And as I say, Colossians is all about that. It's, it's not about all these extra things or these secret things or these false teachings. It's Jesus is the preeminence. Jesus is supreme. We're going to see that next week. We're going to talk about how Jesus holds everything together. And if there's anything else that's high and lifted up, Don't wait 600 years. Don't even wait six minutes. Today, let's break them down and remove them. Would you stand with me this morning? Less is more. And today, we're going to do a little bit of spring cleaning. We're going to do some work. We're going to do some 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 healing and some help and some lives. If God is speaking to you today, God's calling on some hearts today and saying, you know what, there's some stuff in your life and it's, it's been here for far too long, then I say this, less is more. Remove that. Get rid of that. To make room for Jesus. To make space for what Jesus wants to do you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? This is so that this is a private moment. This is a, a, so that it's sacred and just between you and God and I'll be a witness to it. But if God is speaking to you and, and there's a, a, a sacred thing, there's a bronze snake in your life, there's something that's crept in and you know that you need to get rid of it. You know that you need to let it go. If God's speaking to you about that today, would you just Uh, Just with a show of hands, just really quickly, just say, Pastor, pray for me. I've got a bronze snake. I see your hand, sir. 
I see your hands on my left. Several hands over here. Anybody else? I won't wait long. Anybody else? I see your hand, ma'am. I see your hand on my right. Thank you. Many hands all around the room. Heavenly Father, we just lift up these people that are coming before you saying that, you know, I've got that. I'm dealing with that. I'm struggling. Because I know who is Lord and Savior. I know who, who's high and lifted up, but sometimes on the pedestal, either equal to or right nearby is my sacred thing. It's my personal thing. It's, it's a thing that I know or was raised in. It's my tradition. It's my, it's, it's my thing. Here and now, God's speaking to you and saying, hey, don't let that become equal. Just say, God, I give it to you. God, I surrender it to you. Lord Jesus, have your will. Have your way. Touch these people, I pray. And with your heads continued to be bowed and your eyes closed, in person or even online, if God's speaking to you and maybe it's this next declaration, maybe it's this, this step in your life that God is calling you to make a, a new commitment to him because you've been far from him. And he's not even anywhere you know, near the top, much less Lord and Savior. Like, today can be that day when you declare Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Whether it's for the very first time or it's a brand, a, a recommitment, this can be the day that you say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins and make me new. If that's you today, if you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, save you, set you free. That's you today. Would you, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to make that declaration. That's you today. Lift your hand. Even online, you can type in the chat, I have decided. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If God is speaking to you, even if, even if you've made this decision, but you're a follower of Jesus and you're just want to encourage those that are beside you or around you. As a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. It's called the prayer of salvation. Sometimes it's called the sinner's prayer. It's, it's less about the words and it's more about the heart behind the words. It's this declaration of your heart. Just pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I, thank you I thank you for sending your son Jesus, your son Jesus. to die on the cross for me. I know that I've sinned, that I've made mistakes, and I pray that you would forgive me of my sin, that you'd come into my life and make me brand new. Today, I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I choose to live for you. give God praise for what he's doing. If you, made, if you made a declaration, a decision, a commitment of any kind, I always want to encourage you to take next steps. I always want to encourage you to, to, to not just leave with this, but to grow in your faith. As we talked about in the beginning, as Paul told the Colossian believers, grow, become Bible literate, get involved, get plugged in, do good work, bear fruit. How do you do that, Pastor? Fill out that connection card. Let us know the decision you made. I want to personally reach out to you and connect with you, help you to grow in your faith. Stop by the Next Steps tent. It's outside. It's the only tent we have on the property. Stop by there. Get a Bible. Get connected into the life of the church online. You made a decision. Fill out that card, that digital card, and let us know so that we can minister to you and follow up with you, man. Praise God for what you're doing, what God's doing in your life thankful for everything that God's going to do in and through you. Let's sing in this final song, a, a song of praise to God for what he's done for us.
Amen, amen, amen. Wasn't worship awesome? Let's give a round of applause to the worship team, man. I have to say, how y'all doing? I'm Benny, by the way. It is really weird to be doing announcements. Y'all have a seat, by the way. Y'all have a seat. It feels really weird. It's so weird to the point that I actually brought my earpieces that we use to sing on stage, and I literally went up to Steph, and I was like, I'm having an out-of-body experience right now. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody, to Renew Church. Welcome, everybody, online. We're so glad that you're joining us today. We got a couple quick housekeeping announcements we want to share with you guys real quick. First of all, we got the Misfit Talent Show that is coming up literally right around the corner, June 3rd. Yeah, let's give it up, man. Pastor Mikey, the leaders of, that, uh, of the uh, Misfit have been working tirelessly to make sure that they have an amazing show set for you guys to come. Everybody's welcome to come. The reason why is because we are trying to raise money for camp. How many of y'all are excited for camp, man? I truly do believe as well as everybody here that the children are our future, the teens are our future, and they are not only the future, but they are the now. And I do believe that camp will be one of the big tools that will train these kids to become awesome men and women of God. And I want you guys to check out this quick video. Just get a quick taste to see what we're talking about. Our kids have been through it. Global pandemic, social tension, a country divided. And that's just in the last two years. Mental illness is at an all-time high. Culture becomes more and more toxic by the day. Young people are leaving the church in droves. Now, if you ask me, we can sit back and do nothing, or we can get to work for this generation. Teen camp is bringing revival. The perfect place for teens to find out who they really are and who they're really meant to be. It's a place where healing happens, where forgiveness takes place, where friendships are made, where Jesus reaches a generation. We're accepting the call to invest in this generation with the truth of the gospel at any and all costs. We believe in this generation. They can be the ones to bring the truth of Jesus to people and places we just wouldn't have thought possible. been sleeping for too long, church. The time to win a generation for Jesus is now. What are you going to do? I think you know. It's time to awaken. Amen, amen, amen. So I let you guys know that they are trying to raise $15,000, and the reason why is they want to send 50 people to camp. So it's very important if you guys have the time and the resources, we encourage you guys to come show the support for the Misfit Group. More importantly, come show the love of God because that's what he, I, I can tell you from a personal experience, man, I had people that ministered to me as a teen when I was going to church, and it was one of the reasons why I'm here today, man. So I encourage you guys to come, man. So they are going to be doing dessert and art auction for the kids. Also, at the end of service, outside, they're doing a bake sale. So if you want some goodies, man, they got some awesome stuff out there for you guys as well. Also, around the corner is Grad Sunday. How many are about or know somebody that's about to graduate? Amen. So we're going to be celebrating the class of 2022 in style. So if you know somebody who's about to graduate or you yourself are going to be graduating, please sign up at the Next Step tent outside. We want to honor our grads. June 19th is Father's Day. How many are dads out there? I know I'm one. We want to celebrate you dads out there. We got an awesome event for you guys you don't want to miss. We're going to be doing shish kebabs, car show, and of course, we got a smoker giveaway that we want to give to one lucky dad out there that is interested in burning the food in the house, making the wife upset, and calling the fire department. You know, you could hear, and also Father's Day, you might hear some crazy dad jokes. You know, like, you know, my wife's birthday is next week, and 
she's been leaving a jewelry catalog all over the house. So of course I got her a magazine rack. Thank you. So, <laughs> so there's three ways to give. You can give in person in the seat pocket in front of you on the envelope. Second way is online at renew.miamifort/give. And also the third way is you can text to give at 786-565-1165. Once again, it's 786-565-1165. Let's go ahead and pray real quick. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this offering. We thank you, Lord, for the service, Father. We ask you, Lord, that you be with us all throughout this week, Father, that your hand will be bestowed upon us, Lord, that when people see us, they see the God that is in us and through us, Father. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we honor you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, you guys are dismissed. God bless.